Paxton Quigley is rolling out the green carpet, talking to the creme de la creme of innovators and influencers who are shaping the world of cannabis and culture. Welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Hello, and welcome to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Folks, as you know, we are always interested in the latest news when it comes to UFOs. Yeah, that's unidentified flying objects. Now, the National UFO Reporting Center recently announced that there has been 245 new UFO reports through March 30th. And recently, just I think it was two weeks ago, a man from Palm Coast, Florida, has videoed two more sightings for the research organization. So apparently, the Florida sightings follow a spike in general UFO reports. Sightings of unidentified objects in 2020 rose by 1,000 nationwide to more than 7,200 sightings. That's according to the USO, uh, UFO excuse me, Reporting Center. So with us today to discuss the latest UFO information is Dr. Avi Loeb, an Israeli-American science professor at Harvard University. He's also chairman of physics and astronomy of the National Academies. He's a member of the President's Council of Advisors on Science and Technology and chairman of the Harvard Astronomy, De Astronomy Department. And I'm sure he has, even has more names under his belt, but it would probably take up the whole interview. And we got to talk to him about UFOs. And also, he has written a new book called Extraterrestrial, The First Sign of Intelligent Life Beyond Earth. And it's available on Amazon and in bookstores. And he's been telling me that it is uh, coming uh, out uh, in many different languages. And I think it's a huge success, a worldwide success. So I congratulate you very much. But today we're going to just be specific in the beginning. Later, we'll talk about your book. I'm going to first talk about what's happening now with, with UFOs. And I'd like to get your perspective on UFOs. And so I want to say, welcome back to High Society with Paxton Quigley. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Paxton. Professor Lowe, I've recently read that there's going to be a bombshell government report on UFOs that's set to be released in June by the Pentagon's Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon Task Force. Now, my question is, why is the Pentagon only now releasing this report on UFO phenomenon? Has there been pressure put on them to do so? Well, um, first thing to understand is uh, that uh, any... Uh, unidentified uh, objects could represent a, a threat to national security because they may be related to other nations that uh, uh, spy on the US and, and we want to know about it. Uh, so last year, uh, the Department of Defense released uh, three videos of uh, unidentified flying objects that were previously leaked uh, in 2007 and 2017. Uh, and uh, um, the Pentagon established a task force under the Navy in August to improve uh, the understanding and gain insight into the nature and origin of unidentified aerial phenomena that is supposed to be released uh, in June 2021 uh, was uh, a requirement under the Fiscal 2021 Intelligence Authorization Act, which was passed as part of the omnibus COVID-19 relief bill in December. So it's happening because 
of this uh, relief bill that we might uh, uh, hear about uh, the findings of this task force that the Pentagon established. So there was no, shall we say, pressure put on them that uh, there have been so many reports and you know people are clamoring to know what's going on out there. None of that. Was well, the that could be. Uh, that could. I mean, people uh, both uh, in Congress and 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 general public were discussing those videos that were released um, and uh, last year, and and perhaps that uh, led to the inclusion of this request in the omnibus bill. But at any event, uh, we are all uh, waiting to see what will come out in next month, in June 2021, in the report of this uh, task force from the Pentagon. Now, there uh, was a, a, a man, he was a, a former official uh, with the Pentagon's UFO program, and he gave a classified a briefing to a Defense Department agency, and he elaborated on, on a lot of what they know, and he talked about uh, retrieving various materials of unknown origin, and he basically said, we couldn't do it ourselves what's going on. And then there was a, another individual uh, named Luis Elizondo, a former intelligence officer from uh, what is supposed to be a defunct a program called Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program. And he headed it up from 2010 until 2017. And he said he, he had access to the Pentagon's UFO data. And he actually interviewed military eyewitnesses who encountered UFO data. And he said, almost on a daily basis. Now, Dr. Lowe, what do you think about all of this? Um, why, why, why is this happening? Uh, that, you know, we're starting to hear all of this, but um, it, it seems almost impossible. Well, it's interesting to, to see the evidence that comes out. I, I have no additional information. Uh, my take on all of this is that evidence should be reproduced. And uh, in science, you know, we try to reproduce results so that we gain confidence in them. Once we see the evidence, it's possible to have a research program where we deploy the best cameras, the best uh, audio sensors in the same locations and try to see if there is anything unusual repeating. Um, the, the advantage of that is that we will uh, do a controlled experiment where we trust the instruments and if we do see something unusual, it will be open to the public. And uh, that I think would be the best way, the best path forward to gain credibility for these reports. But why has it taken so long to possibly get to this stage? I mean, um, I remember as a kid hearing about UFOs. Uh, it seems that nothing is really uh, so-called so matured in, in this direction. Well, the subject was ridiculed uh, for decades, and um, now perhaps uh, is the right time when we have uh, instruments uh, that can uh, discover those uh, unusual phenomena that could help us to figure out where they come from. And, um, you know, we should approach it without prejudice. And uh, I think we should uh, uh, try to understand what, what the origin of these phenomena is using scientific instruments. So um, perhaps the Pentagon report will say something uh, exciting about things that we've never heard about before. But at any event, I think we, we should try to reproduce the reports with even better instruments than uh, were used to, to make them. 
Now, I, I've never seen any of these, but I, I, I've read that there are these tic-tac-shaped objects out there. There, there are cubes out there. Uh, there are mysterious black triangles. And a lot of this has been reported either by pilots or people who have been out in the sea. Uh, can you talk at all about that, what you think uh, that, that's all about? Yeah, well, all of these uh, reports are intriguing. I mean, they talk about things uh, that look puzzling, sound puzzling, but we should uh, refrain from relying on eyewitness uh, testimonies because, um, you know, it could have illusions uh, that people have seeing something that is not real, that may represent uh, some optical illusion or, but, and the best way to find out is by using instruments. Uh, they are not subject to the same uh, subjective impressions that people have. And uh, that's the way science is done. You deploy instruments that are completely independent of the impressions that people have, and they can uh, continue to monitor the sky and anything else around it. Um, so that we can tell if there is anything unusual happening. Uh, there is always this example of uh, the biblical story of the Old Testament where Abraham heard the voice of God and uh, that told him to sacrifice his only son. And if Abraham had a cell phone with a voice memo up, he could have pressed the button and recorded the voice of God and we would all believe the testimony. But since he didn't have a cell phone, we have to decide whether it's a valid testimony or not. And the same is true for any eyewitness testimony. So we want to have instrumentation that we can believe in that uh, reproduces the evidence. Have you ever talked to anybody who has said that uh, they were visited by aliens or uh, uh, taken away uh, and never to be seen again. They, they've heard about people who've been taken away. Have, have you been ever told tales like that? Well, I, I've not talked with people that claim that they were abducted, but I did uh, hear from people that claim that they've seen unusual things. And uh, uh, some, many of these people are uh, trustworthy. There are, some of them are scientists that saw something unusual uh, many years ago. And uh, the question, the fundamental question is whether it was um, a phenomena that uh, occurred uh, by man-made, uh, human-made instrumentation that uh, was not familiar to the person who saw it, and, uh, or maybe nature uh, made some unusual uh, occurrence that uh, was not anticipated. Uh, but I think rather than... Uh, uh, obsessed about reports from the past, you know, we should establish a new uh, research program that examines uh, the sky and, and uh, uh, the earth uh, for anything unusual. Now, for example, is, is Israel in, uh, interested in doing something like that? Because they, they seem to get involved in you know, all new technology. Uh, do, you, do you think uh, that Israel might be the place where people will, will get more knowledge about what's going on out there? Well, there are so many things happening around Israel because it's surrounded by other states and uh, you never know whether there are drones uh, that might look unusual or... <laughs> so um, I wouldn't consider the Middle East as the best environment simply because there is a lot of other things going on there that uh, you want a place that is relatively calm and, and, and doesn't have a lot of activity by human-made uh, devices. And 
um, there are many places in the world that can be thought about. And some of them were part of the reports. And I think we should just go to those places uh, that were associated with the reports and, and, and do the experiments there. I can understand that. I, I really can. Now, um, can you tell us about some, or do you know anything about these various organizations that uh, seem to start that are doing UFO uh, research and then all of a sudden they're disbanded and all of a sudden you, you hear another new name come up? Because when I was uh, reading about it, I mean, there was, you know, maybe four or five that have, have been around and then all of a sudden they're gone. And uh, also people leave and, uh, you know, want to talk about what they saw saw. Uh, yeah. what, 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 why is that all happening? I'm not sure. I have no information about that. Uh, there, there is this uh, National UFO Reporting Center that was founded in 1974 and uh, cataloged uh, of the order of 90,000 uh, uh, reported sightings in its history, which means uh, almost a couple of thousands every year. Um, and so, uh, you know, there are lots of reports, there are uh, some centers that try to uh, collect them. Uh, but once again, you know, this is not part of a scientific experiment. It's just based on individuals that happen to be at some place and some time and saw something unusual. And given how many things are happening all the time, you know, uh, the question is, uh, most of these unusual things may be related to unusual phenomena that happen all the time, you know, and uh, they may not represent uh, really anything to do with uh, extraterrestrial um, technologies. So, so the task is really to monitor events that are unusual and try to figure out if they cannot be produced naturally, cannot be produced by human-made uh, devices. And the best path forward would be not to rely on people coming forward, but rather have instruments collecting the data. Because I know uh, that a lot of reports are given by various pilots. It seems that pilots uh, uh, claim that they, they've seen uh, sightings. And so I thought perhaps, uh, you know, they're, 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 they're not, not the normal kind of citizen down below that might is hoping and praying that, you know, a UFO will come along. But these are pilots that are actually talking about it. Oh, there is no uh, doubt. Uh, there is no doubt that the people that report are trustworthy and they report what they feel or see. Uh, and uh, it's not just pilots, it's also Navy personnel. And uh, these are reliable people. It's just, I mean, the fundamental question is whether what they see represents either an illusion uh, because of the way, you know, that light was reflected of things uh, that nature produces or, um, or maybe of the instruments that they were using. Uh, and as I say, I mean, the instruments they were using were not optimized for the purpose of finding unusual phenomena. They were just the things that were on the airplane uh, or the, the Navy ship. And uh, what we want to do is, uh, you know, use state of the... Nowadays, we have cameras and uh, audio sensors that are far better than they used to be decades ago. And we should do it in a controlled way where we deploy these instruments in a, in a way that you know, we can try and, and reproduce any evidence of something unusual. And, you know, that will gain credibility instead of uh, arguing about things that happened in the past. We should look forward to things that will be discovered in the future with the best instruments we have. 
Well, I tend to agree with you that that needs to be done. Uh, now I want to change the subject because I'd like to talk about your book. It, it's a grand success and I congratulate you again. Uh, can you uh, give us a synopsis of what readers will learn uh, when, when they read the book? Well, there are two important messages. One has to do with an object discovered in 2017. Uh, the first object from outside the solar system that was spotted near Earth. And uh, at first, astronomers thought uh, it must be a, a, a rock of the type that came before. It was not a comet. It didn't have a tail of gas or dust around it. Uh, and also its shape was very weird. It was most likely flat, pancake-shaped, and the very extreme dimensions, much longer than it is wide. And, um, and then it was pushed away from the sun by some mysterious force uh, that is different from uh, the force of gravity that shaped its orbit. And, and um, the only plausible way of uh, getting that force was from the reflection of sunlight. And that meant that the object must be quite thin, that it's sort of like a sail uh, that is pushed by light. And uh, I suggested that in a scientific paper, and that's what I discuss in the book. I discussed all the anomalies that this object uh, showed and why it couldn't be anything like we have seen before. The rest of the scientific community had a pushback towards the idea that it might be uh, an artifact, uh, uh, an object manufactured by, by an alien civilization. But all the suggestions that were made that associated the object with a natural origin uh, always contemplated something that we've never seen before, like a hydrogen iceberg, a nitrogen iceberg, a cloud of dust particles. All of these proposals uh, had major flaws, had a problem, each of them. And I discussed that. And um, it leaves us with a situation where the first object we've seen from outside the solar system looked very weird, nothing like we've seen before, and potentially could have been uh, produced or manufactured by an alien civilization. And there is a way forward to figure out that this is the case. And that is by finding more objects that look weird as, as this one was. And uh, if we find one that on its approach to us, we can send a spacecraft with a camera that will take a close up photograph. And that could tell us whether it's a rock of an unusual origin or whether it's artificial in origin. And, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words, they say. But in my case, a picture is worth 66,000 words, the number of words in my book. I wouldn't need to write the book if, I, if we had a photograph. <laughs> You're funny. You're a comedian, too. <laughs> I like this. So tell us a little bit more about the book. Uh, what will people find the most interesting to find, to learn about? Well, so first, uh, this object, the, the anomalies of this object, the fact that it looked very unusual and, and uh, therefore it's quite plausible that it is uh, artificial, it was artificial, part of the book which equipment in space, which I call space archaeology. You know, we can find equipment that was uh, disposed into space billions of years ago by other civilizations, just like we sent out Voyager 1, Voyager 2, New Horizons. Uh, you know, most of the stars uh, formed the billions of years before the sun. And if they had civilizations like ours around them, 
uh, there should be a lot of equipment out there. And we should, without prejudice, we should search for those plastic bottles on the beach. You know, most of the time you find rocks that are naturally produced on the beach, but every now and then you find a plastic bottle. We should search for that. And there is a lot of resistance to even discussing this possibility in the scientific community. So I discussed that. I also discussed my personal journey from uh, the farm uh, of a village in Israel um, that uh, in, involved uh, you know, a, a very strong connection to nature when I grew up as, as a kid. And I was also very interested in philosophical questions. And uh, since I served in the military, I, I preferred to pursue physics rather than philosophy. And uh, that led me eventually to studying astrophysics. And, uh, uh, but nevertheless, it, this background makes me quite different from my colleagues. And it explains why I was willing to consider this uh, possibility when they were not. Interesting. Now, if, are you going to write another book? Uh, well, yes, um, I'm actually working on that. And, and in fact, uh, <clears throat> I was also contacted by more than 25 uh, filmmakers and producers about making a documentary out of my book, uh, the, the first book, um, which I'm considering right now. So I have uh, two future projects on my plate. One is writing the next book, which uh, <clears throat> could be related to what we discussed. Uh, and the, the second is uh, potentially having a project that relates, uh, that, that is visual uh, presentation of uh, what I discuss in Extraterrestrial. Interesting, interesting. Well, um, I think people should go out and get the book because they're going to learn about something that they, they may know just a little bit about, and you will be able to tell them what is going on. And um, I, I would love to talk to you again after the report comes out, because I'd like to see uh, and hear and you'll be able to tell people that uh, uh, they're not so right or they're, uh, they're, they're right on target. How about that? Yeah, I would be delighted to appear again and learn also the details that they report about. I'm very curious to know that. I, I imagine so. And so uh, everyone out there who's listening, you should get the book, uh, Extraterrestrial, colon, the first sign of intelligent life beyond Earth. And uh, is it coming out in paperback soon? It will. Uh, next year, it will be in paperback. Good. Well, go out and buy it in hardcover and pay. How much does it cost? <laughs> Tell us how much it costs. The, uh, well, it depends. Uh, there are sales. And it's of all the 20 to $30. Uh-huh. That's, that's the normal hardcover. Well, yeah. I thank you again and again, and I look forward to talking to you in the near future about UFOs or anything else that you want to talk about. Same here. Thank you for inviting me. You're welcome, and thank you, too. Well, folks, we've had another enjoyable time back out in space, and now that we're back at home, um, I hope that you will consider also buying my book, which has nothing to do with UFOs. It's called Just Try Me, and it's available at Amazon.com uh, as a paperback or as a, uh, uh, a Kindle. And also, I would like to say that um, this interview with Professor Avi Loeb and all of our interviews 
uh, can be heard on our website, paxtonquigley.com. We're also on Apple and Audible and Spotify and iHeart and Spreaker and, of course, Cannabis Radio. And you can listen to all of our our podcasts from the last year. And I'd also like to thank our listeners for listening to us. Uh, and hope that they will have questions and you certainly can go to our website and we'll, we can answer them for you. And most importantly, in the end, my dear listeners, stay safe, get vaccinated when your turn comes up, because you know, if we're together, we can beat this virus, but we've got to work together. I'm Paxton Quigley. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.